0: and when-
1: My coming in,
0: you're coming in. You're you're in high AM. and dry. You're in, okay. Turn turn up turn up my cans. <laughs> it's like one of those old rap out. Yo 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 uh 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 uh. Welcome to another exciting edition of Saturday Night
1: Movie Sleepovers. Of Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers. Away. Whenever I'm on, when we're whenever we do Facebook, whenever I write the thing on Facebook and I write it. I write the name of the cast in all caps. You say it like that. That's Saturday how. I, that's <laughs> <laughs> if you see that on the cast, and I've written it all in caps, it's because that's in my head. That's how it's like pigs in <laughs> space. You should write it phonetically. <laughs>
0: Saturday <laughs> night movie sleepovers. Well, thank you for coming back with us. It is again a late Saturday night. Uh, we've um, done some things. Uh, we've done gone m- to
1: th- many things,
0: yeah. We've gone to the video store, we've selected a movie for this evening, we came back, we watched it, um, and then uh, we've talked about it. Now we're Do putting you remember it
1: remember What here's the thing we're gonna talk, we're talking about the Warriors, yeah, today. 1979. 1979, Walter, Walter Hill, Hill classic. my man, my N-word. I'm gonna jump right into it in that, uh. Oddly enough, this is a movie that just completely slipped by. Like, I know, like me and my friends for like ever. You introduced, me and
0: to this I remember movie. the exact night that I have a very lurid history but like, with
1: this. But just uh, before we even watched it together, just like in college, you talking about it, like in that way, you introduced.
0: Which it is today. weird because okay, we 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 invented this cast because we thought about you know the, uh, we had such an affinity for the pastime of. Saturday night movie sleepovers. We, that was what we did growing up, and if that is not a niche market, I think an even <laughs> an even more niche in the weeds market is the Saturday or Sunday day movie. When you're stuck in the house on a Saturday or Sunday, there'd be movies that were just played, you know, out in, 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 into infinity, and they would just get played until you know the the film or the videotape at the at the uh, local channel just wore them out. And I'm talking about movies like um, 3 O'Clock High, Freaking uh, Weird Science, My Science Project, uh, Maybe Back to the Future, uh, and certainly this one, The Warriors, was on that, and that's how I first saw it on WPIX and Channel 11, which is an affiliate in New York City here. I got it up in Connecticut, and I would start seeing this movie. And it was around fourth grade, it was introduced to me by my best friend, because his brothers had introduced it to him, and they were big into rock hair bands in the the, uh, late 80s. So, when I first saw this movie, it blew my mind. Like, oh my wow. gosh. Uh, fourth grade, so you're what, nine, ten maybe? Okay. Uh, maybe a little, eight, nine. So eight, between eight and ten, I think. So, eight, nine, ten, eleven, 11 twelve. 12 <laughs> one, two, three, four, five, <laughs> six, seven, nine, 10, 11, 12. Um. So, I saw this in fourth grade, blew my mind. And for like a month, what we would do is after school, we'd go home to my friend Martin's house. We'd raid his brothers who were like into like, Iron Man, uh, not Iron Man, sorry, Iron Maiden, Skid Row, all those. You know, big bands of the eighties. And we like their jeans. Yeah. Their we, we jean th- vests. Exactly. We put the jean vests on. <laughs> we put like the uh like the, the uh the weird like uh lucky bunny rabbit foot like clips to from the yeah, hanging yeah. from your ears. You put all their stuff on, you put their jewelry on, you you know, you their tattered, uh, you know, Eddie uh things, and then you'd go and you'd uh, freaking uh you know, go out in his backyard play and you'd the play, the Warriors, Warriors, play the Warriors. You know, and you just and you do it all night until, you know, you had to go home and go for dinner. And that was a huge thing for me. And then uh, it hit another pinnacle with me because when uh, in 2003 after we would graduated college in 2001 I moved to Yonkers with a friend of mine yeah. in 04 and funny enough we lived on the Yonkers woodlawn border which was right at the top of the Bronx woodlawn on the east side of the Bronx and right near it Was the top of Van Cortlandt Park. Yeah. And Van Cortlandt Park was where, at the beginning of the Warriors, they're supposed to meet, and Cyrus has the big meeting at the conclave. It wasn't filmed there, correct?
1: Well, actually, in in the movie, they're supposed to meet at Pelham Bay Park. Yeah. But they get off the subway, then they walk through, like, a cemetery, and then they end up in a park, so... Well, it's even weird. though it's supposed to be... It's supposed to be Van Cortlandt <laughs> Park, like in the book, but you're right, they go to the In the movie, I line. think it's supposed to be Pelham Bay Park, but they actually look like they end up going through... Uh, well, they, they, when they leave, they le- go to Woodlawn Cemetery. Yeah, well, so it looks like they actually probably is... Van Cortlandt, or Pelham... Uh, Cortlandt
0: Park, but... Well, in the book, in my recollection, they're up at Van Cortlandt Park, although, you're right, at the last stop, it shows them going up to, like, uh, like Baychester, Eastchester... On yeah. the subway line, you think if they were going to Wood- Woodland, there's a lot of discrepancies in the movie. If you know, yeah, like yeah. you know, because you watch Joe Bob Briggs, yeah, and, and yeah. he used to do that on Monster Vision. He, Monster
1: a m- Vision, classic episode of Monster Vision. <coughs> we were living together mm-hmm. freshman year of college. I want to say January of '98. It was a Friday. <laughs> it was uh, it probably was a Friday. It was probably a sa- Friday or Saturday. Yeah. And uh, he did uh, Monster Vision. And what he did was he took a subway map. Brilliant. And at every commercial break... He'd show you where they were. He'd show you... And it was like, you know, like, he would be like... This is where they're supposed to be going. But he's like, judging from where the, you know, judging from the movie, this is how I think they actually went. Yeah. And he would take the subway map and he would show you the route. He's like, okay, then they got up here at 96th Street and they're going to be meeting down here at 14th Street. There. This is the rendezvous point on 14th Street. And he would show you the, like, he would chart. As but didn't he realize that it, they couldn't do it? Wasn't there some sort of inaccuracy? I don't know if. Well, yeah. I think there was, like, that's part of, like, the Pelham Bay Park, the Van Cortlandt Park. Stuff and then he like he would because he would just be like this is what they this is what it looks like they took but he, and then he would be like but if they were actually going to do this this is actually what they this is the train now, they actually
0: had to take the, the theory behind aside from not bringing the book up yet the theory behind them being at Van Cortlandt Park is well, after the whole thing goes south and they leave they supposedly run into uh, Woodlawn Cemetery yeah, and yeah that's where they tag the thing and they see the subway and that's supposed to be Williamsbridge Gun Hill Road. And yeah. that's where the turnbell ACs when they try to get on that subway to yeah. the upper level, level track and the, the turnbull okay. ACs are there. That they're, they're the Gun Hill Road gang. Yeah, yeah. So when we moved, to, when I moved to Yonkers, it was amazing to think, holy crap, I'm like blocks away from where Cyrus was having his meeting at the Conclave. And then I went to the Woodlawn Cemetery, very famous. Go research it; tons of people buried there, uh, musicians, famous people, everything. So then. My roommate moved out You moved in with me And around the same time This is 05 In October They release A new special edition Of the movie yeah. Which was the director's cut Which I was all psyched about Because at the time I think the original movie Had gone out of print Uh You only release it Maybe once or twice on DVD Yeah, yeah. And uh, they did as a joint release, they released a video game. Yeah. yeah. In the video game. So I don't remember if you watched the movie with me first, then I went out and bought the video game. And I don't remember
1: with the order. I think we watched him, you and Matt Garrison. Yeah. Shout out. Yeah.
0: Saxophone <laughs> player that we also went to college with. Great musician. Uh, check yeah, out his we, music.
1: We watched it late one night. And, very sleepover-esque. And, and it, it was, was like really late. And, and I remember y- uh, I
0: you take aside, we won't even talk about the director's cut yet, but I remember you like i don't know if it was after the movie or during the movie you said wow i finally you finally put the movie in some sort of context to me because i remember you said you d- had no idea really what the movie was about so i guess you see you saw scenes of what was happening but you would never seen the beginning so you had you never had a frame of reference yeah, of yeah. why it was I happening i think
1: when like i watched it on like monster vision it came into it late or something and you're and like yeah. this is the weirdest thing i've ever seen and uh, and it was just a movie that completely slipped by and it, it's funny because like m- my friends and i in... Like junior high, like high school, uh, we would have loved this movie. It's, we would have made, you know, m- my friends and I made, like, this is so geeky. <laughs> Nerdy, but we made like a hundred movies on like in vi- like video yeah tape, like a hundred short films, like everything from like horror movies to like cr- a lot of crime dramas. Yeah, well, we did the uh, same thing. My ours more
0: more comedies. You went the uh yeah. the higher problem like, we, were, we yeah. were doing like genre pictures
1: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like we really we made a war we had like made like a Vietnam movie. <laughs> <laughs> the crime? We did that in college, you and I ended up Yeah, yeah. Movies, well, that know? was ver- definitely an extension of what we were doing. And I can guarantee we would have watched this movie, and we would have had, like, a Warriors-esque movie up of gang like Albany. <laughs> movie where we probably would have played all the gangs with, like, different... <laughs> it would have been so cheesy. Well, oh, that, that's yeah. how it was...
0: That was the limitations of playing. With the Warriors, you have to figure out who you are, and then what you do is you just run around and play make-believe. You had nobody else really to fight, gang-wise. It was, like, me and two people.
1: But uh, I do have to admit, like... It, okay, it slipped by me, you know, freshman year of college, you introduced me to the, you know, Warriors come out and play, catchphrase. And so, like, you definitely were the one that kind of introduced this to me. Then, you know, then through Monster Vision, whatever, I would see parts of it and this and that. And then we watched it together. And um, I have to admit, like, it's a movie that, like, I totally love.
0: You know, um, not, I guess we'll get into the director's cut later on we decided for this for our purposes we were going to be purists yeah, yeah, and we were going to do the original theatrical cut mm-hmm. which I think to, to, in my personal interpretation is a way better movie which is on Amazon
1: Prime for everybody out there that that it, the, the original logic. yeah. which is weird because I don't think you can get and right now it's also on like Epics. actually it was on TV as I was getting ready to, to come here <laughs> to do this cast <laughs> to do this cast it's 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 and i was like oh we're going to go watch this and it's not but it's
0: it's weird because you can't buy the only one you're now allowed to buy is the director's cut version which yeah, is yeah. which is not different there but was, it has a lot of stuff that there i It was a with.
1: DVD release but it was like a no frills like not remastered yeah. back in the day you know, when DVDs first, they were just throwing everything on DVD. Yeah, that's the
0: one I have. Yeah. I, I got that one. It was just basically like you know, interactive menu, maybe like a teaser trailer, yeah. the you special know? features, yeah.
1: interactive menu. Wow, cast, cast bios, non interactive. It was just a picture of
0: them with some with some stuff, not even like any paragraphs or <laughs> like, like typos. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Jesus, everything's wrong. <laughs> So uh, <laughs> this movie is like a cult classic. If you were to, like, look up cult in the dictionary, there's two kinds of cult classics. I guess there's, like, you know, horror cult classics. Like, uh, we, we bring up a lot, like, say, um, Carnival Souls or Texas Chainsaw Mask, or even we go way down the alley you can get into, like, you know, more niche stuff. And then there's these kind of cult movies, like, I guess I say, again, 3 O'Clock High in these movies, yeah, like The yeah. Wanderers. And this is one of them, the I warriors.
1: Mean, re- yeah, like, a definition of, like, a cult classic is really, like, a movie that didn't... D- do gangbusters mm. but then found a very loyal audience yeah and then it it's later.
0: it's been it's stayed alive in the public psyche because of the uh the presence it, it's it's the it had its rebirth on yeah. whatever media and for us it was television. It was on like a Saturday afternoon all the time. Yeah. And I'm sure there's a ton of movies you can sit down and make a list of like Daryl, Cloak and Dagger. <laughs> you know, you can think of all these movies that would just Night yeah, of the yeah, Creeps, yeah. the TV version. You can just think of which is kind of related to this movie. You can think of it. But today we're talking The Warriors. And The Warriors is such a crazy movie and a great movie. But it, it's, it, it has this whole dichotomy, which I find real puzzling. When I saw it when I was little... I only just thought of it as just a movie. Like yeah. this is like you know this is what's happening, and it kind of fit into the to the uh, to the Rubik's cube of the era of like the late '70s, '80s, where you had the Dirty New York, you had the uh, you know Escape from New York, you had these kind of movies that were like you know New York is a shithole, like we talked yeah, about yeah. Maniac, and this is what's happening. Well, this is a
1: it's for, speaking of New York movies, and we did, and oddly enough, the movie we really talk about in New York movies is gonna at Bernie. yeah, Yeah. <laughs> We, we get into we get into we, yeah we get into the whole we get, our big discussion about like gritty New York movies. His his and weekend at because Burnley's. we bring up
0: how by the time you hear Weekend of Bernie,
1: our podcast about, about Weekend at Bernie's.
0: Yeah, so to, go check out Weekend at Bernie's. because you want to hear us talk about New York. We take a right hand turn because we talk about by the time like movies like Weekend at Bernie's or Crocodile Dundee came out, they be, it became a parody that New York was such a yeah, dirty yeah. place and it was
1: like a joke, the butt of a joke. But if we go like a decade earlier we have like the, you know warriors you know, death, warriors, wish. Uh, you know. We got death wish we got taken to pelham one two three taxi we driver. got taxi driver We got maniac this is you know like you, you know, know we should like i don't know we should figure out like a month or something and of just do and all just do, grit like, your grit. gritty like <laughs> 70s gritty New York uh,
0: nighthawks movie. you know like you know it's all those kind of things and uh this movie n- i never you know to start getting into the bare bones of it walter hill originally wanted to to put like a, a little thing at the beginning saying like somewhere in the near future and they took it out yeah, yeah. and they, they eventually put it back in 2005 release. But I never looked at it like it was in the future. To me, it just seemed like a product of the time. Like I had a friend of mine very recently who tried to watch it and he turned it off. And this kid, I'm not going to divulge his name because he's going to get embarrassed, <laughs> but he's like in the, he's in his late twenties.
1: Protect the innocent. Yeah.
0: You know, maybe his, I'll change his name. His name is like Jerry and um, he couldn't get into it. He's like, he, I, you know, it's so silly to me. And it's like, I guess the frame of reference is gone for younger ger- generations, because for me, I mean, it is dated, but it it's kind of like we came out of an era where like hair metal bands were like freaky. You know, yeah, like yeah. you look at Commando, the bad guy in Commando. He wasn't like kind of like he wasn't built. The guy from uh, the Australian actor, you know, he had like a, a metal chain shirt on. And that was like f- like tight leather yeah, pants yeah. was freaky to us. There was you
1: a, know? our because we were young. There was like this era of like mystery and intrigue yeah like, i remember my cousin tony who was older even a year or two older than my brother um so he was maybe like six seven years older than me he he had like he had installed like a deadlock <laughs> like lock on his bedroom door <laughs> so his parents couldn't get yeah, yeah yeah but like whenever you I would go over to cause like my aunt would sometimes watch me if my mom had to work or whatever And um, if I would go up and he was in his room or you know that door was left kind of a, a little bit ajar you'd walk into his room and it was always like posters of like Ozzy Osbourne yeah
0: b- what is it Bark at the Mooner yeah
1: Bark at the Moon with him in like in the, in the werewolf costume Here with him with fangs with like on in the insane asylum or whatever <laughs> With you know uh, yeah like uh, Diary of a Madman and then there was this live album um, where the cover is him with like vampire fangs and there's like a, a little person dressed up as the Grim Reaper this is Ozzy blood, still. yeah blood coming and there was all these like posters and you know, I would just go in there and just like it was probably really like the earliest introduction of like horror, kind of yeah. for me. Well, that was the, <laughs> it was like this imagery. That was the era where you
0: had like Twisted Sister, you had like Eddie from Iron Maiden. These were things were like freaky, and so it kind of lent itself to this kind of a movie where my suspension of disbelief was a little really, bit before that. But yeah, I mean, you know, this is I guess kind of has influences off of like Kiss to a certain extent, yeah, like yeah. that era. But I mean, it, it was. It wasn't unrealistic to me to think about in New York City that they were gangs and yeah, that they yeah. did to delineate themselves they had different niches. I mean, it is a stretch. You had a mind group <laughs> called the hi Hats or the Boppers, the, the,
1: the mind group, the uh, the overall hi-hats. guys. Yeah, the overall
0: guys, the punks, you know. But I really dug that each you know gang had a, a niche and truth be told in real life, there were all these real gangs. They weren't of course dressing this, you know, this is Hollywood, but they weren't dressing, you know, this lavishly or, uh, you know, it it was a dramatization, but there were gangs and there's issues during the movie where the, uh, one of the, the the trucks when they were shooting were protected by a real gang called the mongrels and the film trucks, they have to pay the gang $500 a day, uh, to keep the, to, to to keep the trucks safe. There was another gang out in Coney Island actually called the homicides. And, uh, They told the cast and crew, "Okay, you're cool to shoot with your actors on the subway platform in their colors, the the warrior colors, but they have to take their colors off to go to the restaurant to eat, to go around Coney, or to shoot uh, until you get onto the beach or into the Coney Island Park, because it's disrespectful for us if they're wearing their colors to go eat. So it's like there's like real, you know, people up up in arms about this. So they had to really delineate, and also when they were filming, they had to go talk to the uh, NYPD gang units and the Transit Authority to make sure, like, what. Were the non dicey places that looked dicey, but then they could still shoot it and not get hurt. So they had the. It was. There was. This was real
1: in New York at the time. That end, upon its release.
0: This is another crazy thing. There was like.
1: It got blamed for. You know, you hear about movies that. um, You know, get blamed for like violence. Halloween 2. You know, there's a case where someone murdered somebody and it got blamed. And Halloween 2 got blamed. And this is like. Something where. Upon the release of this movie, like all there's all this violence. Like the weekend it came out in California, somebody got stabbed in the lobby of the movie theater where it was playing. Yeah, well, it turned out to be an LA gang member. And then, uh, like s- that same weekend, like in uh, like uh, Palm Springs or Palm Beach or something like that, some at a mo- at a drive-in theater, somebody got shot in the head. Like a, like a teenager got shot in the head, and then. In like uh, in Boston, like a week later, like a Boston gang went to go see the movie together, and then on the way home, like stabbed some sixteen-year-old kid in a mo- in the in the subway. Or a random, <laughs> random killing. And um, and then like there was this whole thing where like New York was mad because like the city of New York was like coming down on the movie because they thought that this movie introduced. Uh, hopping the turnstile to, to teenagers. Oh wow!
0: <laughs> because yeah, that's, that's how in the movie they just hop the turnstile, um,
1: and so all this happened, and the media picked up on all this stuff that was going on, and. And just, like, blamed warriors. And so in, a in like, a... Well, the first... The, the and, like, in a panic, like, Paramount Pictures pulled all the advertising. Well,
0: first what they did was they tried to do research. They went to a research group and said, what can we do to the movie to make the movie less violent or to, like, have it be l- less of a gang message? And the, the research company came back, like, nothing. I mean, it's bare yeah. bones. It's cut. There's nothing you can really do. So then f- then what they did was they pulled all the advertising. Yeah,
1: they kind of came up with this thing that it was, the, the advertising, the poster, that that like iconic poster that you'll see on our website i'm sure when uh is like you know hundreds of gang members yeah, all the different gangs all and the it says and the front. like you know you know the gag is i don't know how what's the numbers like 100,000 strong police yeah oh, 2000, told, whatever. yeah and, yeah. Then was, and like the, so and they so, so they
0: try yeah they they quickly changed the poster they they took they pulled that poster back they put like a poster with a white background in it um, and the movie was making good money. I mean, it made $3 million in its first weekend. It only cost si- between 6 and $7 million to make. Eventually, it ended up pulling in $22.4 million, But that was with no advertising. And then finally, the movie was pulled from the theaters because, the, uh, because there was such an upcry and outcry about what was going on. So I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there is because there's so many freaking movies out there. But I can't think of readily another example of a movie that was actually pulled from the theaters because of either outrage or the the you know and that it was so popular because of word of mouth and then you know what really ended up happening which was kind of i guess uh you know one would think that people would realize this was just gangs were going to the theater and then they would see their rival gangs there and of course that would spark some sort of brawl and that's why people were getting hurt or killed and it was and you know they were they were getting pumped up by going to see it and they loved it you know it was like it was a real phenomenon for them and it ended up turning into one of those things where I think into the '80s and '90s, street gangs looked at this movie like Italians looked at The Godfather. You know, even though The Godfather is uh, really fictional, but it has moments of truth and explains everything. They Italians adopted it, so now it's just like you know that's one of like the best mob movie of all time, is The Godfather. You know, yeah, and yeah. this is what happened with the Warriors. It became like the best gang movie of all time until maybe the '90s with Menace yeah, to yeah. Society. Whatever. Going
1: back to like the archetypes and of like the you know, uh, you know, the different gangs and stuff, there is something that, I look, I can understand that it's that aspect of it, I can understand being, especially if you watched it today, being thought of as being kind of cheesy. And it's something that I think works in a weird way when you put it in the context of, like, this is the future. Yeah. The problem is, because then you can be like, okay, it's some like, and also, like, we're coming off of things like Mad Max, and then, so like you said, shortly after we have, uh, like, the next year, we have, like, Escape, Escape from New, New York, York. And then we have, like, a whole slew of, like, Italian, you know. The post-apocalyptic. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, rip-offs of Mad Max and Escape from New York and but that you know, it, Bronx Warrior and stuff. And then that those start to look very much like Warriors in a lot of ways. Well,
0: it seemed like it was a believable kind of a future. It wasn't a future where you, you know, when I think of... Like in the two thousand five, the uh, re release they really talk about Walter Hill's like this is supposed to be set in the near future, yeah, blah yeah. blah. So I immediately think of like Blade Runner or near yeah, future yeah. or sci fi or whatever. But no, it's a near future where there's just like it's like the Escape from New York near future, where there's just yeah, such yeah. freaking chaos and Robocopish kinda like yeah, shit yeah. going on that these there are gangs that just terrorize cities, you know. But the
1: problem is it's so late seventies New York. Yeah. That it's there's no way you can, <laughs> you know, there's no way that you're going to make that leap. Yeah. You know what I mean? That is without an introduction, and even when that introduction is made, it's like you're saying that
0: it's future. That yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's
1: like no, there's no like technology. Yeah, there's nothing. You know, it's 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 so it's just so New York of like 1979 that there's no way you could you could think that it could be any other time. Yeah, I think, that and it's it, what's beautiful about it. I mean, it's what's Amazing when you watch it. I mean, I, I would imagine, and we talk about this in in the in the weekend at Bernie's about how like we wonder how jokes, New York jokes play for people that have never been in New York or don't know New York. So as someone that lives, you know, uh, in Hell's Kitchen, yeah, currently, like, yeah. yeah, like it is amazing to watch these movies. Well, it's, you know, it's especially oh, that's what it looks. That was what it looked
0: like, especially now where it's been so gentrified. Yeah. And uh, it's just been so, like, just painted over. You know, Times Square is now like Disneyland. Well, it's starting to revert back, which we've yeah, all yeah, talked yeah. about. But it's, like, it's um, it's leaps and bounds, completely different from that world. And uh, it's so weird to, to, to think that this was not only plausible back then, but these different gangs were scary-looking. And, I mean, some of them still are, in my opinion. But yeah. some of the out ones that are out there, like we said, like the high hats or the boppers who are dressed up as, like, 50s doo-wop bands, <laughs> you know. But you take f- you take maybe a handful away. There's about a hundred names or whatever they came up with, and they're still pretty scary looking. I mean, f- on the forefront, in my personal opinion, is the baseball furies. They're
1: as all hell it, looking. It, they are very. Freaky I mean, they're very comic and book and scary. And and that's the other thing. I mean, we should. Okay, th- there's so much to talk. Well about. Well, one ha- last we ha- thing ha- before we we, get we into th- jump into it. We have to find an order. Here.
0: Uh yeah, I know. It's we're just going <laughs> we're just going left <laughs> and right.
1: The uh the last thing I'll say
0: about the, they was the the marketing was that they they had people coming out like uh critics saying, you know, you risk your life if you go see this movie. And New York City was so paranoid uh that they had the either the teaser trailer or the straight trailer, they had them actually uh, take uh, the, the, the sound was on mag tape so instead of editing out the uh, words they just kind of bleeped them out And what they would do is they just put a piece of tape over it so then that the mag head wouldn't read the sound so it just looked like it was you know mute and they had them take out all the, the stats because the New York City Police Department didn't want them to actually know that there's only say 2 or 5,000 cops verse 22,000, you know, that yeah. they were really worried that, wait a minute, these are stats we don't want to get out because we don't want people to get ideas in their head. Because again, coming into the 70s, you had these uproars where cops couldn't go above 110th Street without being assassinated. You had, you know, uh, the Black Liberation Army BLA actually, you know, trying to do shit like this. Uh, cops were being taught if New York was taken hostage, uh, certain elite groups, uh, which is kind of alluded to in Nighthawks, Uh, Cops were pulled to the side and showed how to blow up bridges, how to blow up elevators, so that if this ever kind of happened, you had some crazy gang that actually had the idea to do what uh, Cyrus did in this movie. They'd have uh, safeguards to try to get the... The movie the, the the city back
1: so you had a lot going on there and they were so scared so yes we have to jump into this so bit. let's okay so you kind of you set up you, it was a little you just teased you tickled my balls a little bit. yeah so with that
0: <laughs> there you go you gotta gotta keep it clean so it, we just
1: explained so let's briefly explain like for the to, as, a, as a as a refresher or for somebody that's listening to this that hasn't watched it so the basic plot is that there's these gangs in New York? Yeah, each each Not borough. Not gangs of New York. No, but there's no, no, these no. gangs in New. York. There's
0: <laughs> gangs in every. I don't know. that wouldn't even say every borough. Yeah. Every borough has their own. Maybe you know different avenues, couple blocks. And, and
1: there's this there's this one gang leader named Cyrus.
0: Yeah, he's the he's the um, he's head of the Riffs. The the um, the what do you call it? Riffs. The uh, oh, it's on the tip of my tongue. The bar- Barmacy or the uh, 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 Delance. No shit, crap. Barmacy. Anyway. Gramercy riffs. Thank you. And so he calls this meeting way uh, up. In why
1: the they do. I, guess, I don't know. Well, because
0: I well, it, it's alluded to more as we go on in the book. But, yeah, but we'll get to the book. Yeah. Uh, uh, he, he, he calls this big meeting together because he's got this brilliant idea, which is actually a really good idea. That's
1: I, yeah. You know, it it's,
0: it's really just, you know, he's <laughs> the f- most. It's, it's basically what the mob ended up doing in after the gangsters of the 20s and 30s. You know, uh, you have like uh, Bugsy Siegel and Meyer Lansky and all those with Murder Incorporated in New York. They realize, hey, let's organize. And that's why you call it organized crime. If we get organized, we don't kill each other for for turf, for west side or east side yeah, gangs. Yeah. We can rule the city. And then the mob figured this out. What is that? I guess 40 years before or 30 years before. Yeah. So Cyrus calls a big meeting. They're the biggest gang in the city. Uh, they they kind of, they don't run everything, but they're legendary. And the, the, the leader, Cyrus. He calls a meeting uptown, and all the gangs are invited. And he has rules. Nobody's supposed to bring weapons well, in n- the movie. Not the orphans. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Well, that's let's that's, well, that's see. Th- and that also goes to, to show you that how many more gangs are in the city that, that yeah. you know, or th- the subsidiaries are off the charts or, you know, yeah, yeah. people don't know about. And you're not supposed to bring weapons, and you're only supposed to have nine delegates. So we have our gang, the Warriors, who are— If you don't unfamiliar with the city, you have um, you know there's Manhattan, then across the water on the east side is Queens, then below that is Brooklyn, and on the bottom of Brooklyn on the shore is Coney Island, and they're they're from Coney Island, and supposedly they're a gang of 120 members plus affiliates, but um, their leader picks nine of the best to go up there, and that was one of Cyrus's stipulations: pick nine people of your gang, bring them up.
1: And they're going to have this big meeting. So they basically travel from the southmost point of New York City, yeah. the boroughs. 19 miles up. To the m- most northern part of the boroughs yeah. of New York Top City. Top of the
0: Bronx, right before you hit Westchester County. So it doesn't sound like a lot of t- space, 19 miles. But to someone, especially back then, who maybe nev- had never left their either Brooklyn or their turf, that's like 50. I think he even says that in movies. Like, oh, we're 50, miles away from our, you know. Yeah, yeah. And... um and they go up there and then it goes wrong you know it's, it, it's all going great Cyrus has got the crowd and then you have this one guy from the rogues this this kind of like psychotic kind of a group he shoots Cyrus and they pin it on the Warriors and in the melee it on the Warriors. and at the same time the cops had gotten wind of it and at the, simultaneously as Cyrus is shot the cops raid the place so there's a big panic pandemonium everyone's scattering cops are coming down beating heads with billy clubs and the one guy, Luther from the Rogue, say, Hey, the Warriors did it. And then yeah, that yeah. sets the, 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 the tone of the movie motion going that not only do they got to get back to Coney, to they have to now bop their way because every gang in the city is now looking for them and know yeah. that they did it, which is under false pretenses,
1: But And I think the moment, you know, we talked about the pa- Cyrus's plan, I mean, he's not just talking about organized crime. Hmm. I mean, he's talking about like they will own New York City. Yeah, they'll take everything over. They'll take. It's like they they will completely, you know, like the the cops will be helpless. They'll basically just run the entire city. And
0: it's a brilliant plan. I mean, it's like a dictatorship, and you know, and I don't know, and there's no, there's never any rhyme or reason given to why he's assassinated. It's just like he just did it because you know the guy Luther David Patrick Kelly, who we'll talk about, did it because he likes doing things like that. And so
1: then it's about this gang trying to make their way back home. A very naive gang, I would say.
0: Yeah. As tough as they are, they hide their, their naivete with toughness and, and all kinds of, like, you know, uh, violence. And all, but they're very... You know, they had never left their, their yeah, turf. Yeah, yeah.
1: That's the thing. That's kind of like... I don't know. It's, it's a big... It's one of... It's like... It's kind of the beauty, if uh, probably not the correct term, but it is one of, like, the great things of, like... You think about these gangs, and you think about, like... Well, look at even like in a movie South like, Central LA. Yeah, you know the, these guys. Or even a movie like the Bronx, like Bronx Tale. You yeah, know, like these, the, the, the you do have like this whole world, and you might be like hot shit in your world, you know. But you're, you know, in, in those like it's like you're a, a you know like a, a small fish in a very small pond, and but then when you put you know even though you're just miles away from another borough, it's it's, it's the one thing that I think New, people that don't live in New York. It's hard to, like, understand, like, how there is, like, this microcosm and and that New York might be, like, the most populated city in America or whatever. But Manhattan is, like, it's small. It's It's a tiny little island.
0: Yeah. It's only, like, a mile wide by, I forget how many miles long.
1: And even though it's so small, it's, like, we're packed with all these people and there is, like, these weird, like, microcosms. And then you have, like, these outer boroughs that are all these outer boroughs ...are separated from Manhattan by
0: water. And I guess if you don't know, there's five boroughs. You've got Brooklyn, Queens, Staten Island, Manhattan, and the Bronx. Those are the five boroughs. And Manhattan's in the middle, surrounded by water. Uh, Bronx is north of it. To the east of it is Queens, Brooklyn. Uh, To the north of it is the Bronx. And to the south, west is Staten Island there. those are your five boroughs. And so if you're separated... And to the west
1: is Jersey. And so if you're separated by water, even though there's public transportation or whatever... Like, it really is like it's a whole other world.
0: And especially if you're in a lower inc- uh, economic class where you don't you don't have a car, you don't have access to a car. So that's why you're using mass transportation, like in this movie. Yeah.
1: And even if you live in Manhattan, even though it's all one place, like, believe me, if you live on the west side, you don't go to the east side. There's no reason to. There's You know, unless there's a very specific, you want to go to a museum. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so there's no reason. You don't have to go out and know, get milk and go like to the east side. Everything's there, everything's there like for you. Like, trains don't. You know now they're, they're, they're building like the seven train which will g- kind of go east and west uh in midtown but like they don't go east and west so it's like via public transportation unless you want to figure out the bus system which i've been living here for years and i still haven't <laughs> figured, figured out how to, how to take the bus yeah uh th- it's not easy no it's not easy to get from like you know uh, midtown West to, like, uh, the Upper East Side. And then forget, like, Upper West Side to Upper East Side because it's separated by the park, by yeah, Central Park. park. So Central Park
0: literally is, like, from 58th or 59th Street all the way up to, like, 100 and something. So you yeah, have this big, yeah. beautiful that they, 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 uh, yeah, that's they carved out. Yeah, that it out preserved. You know, a man-made park um, by another guy who's he's great to read about. Him. His name escapes me, who invented the park or vend it as in case they actually laid it out and mapped it out and they built it that way. So it would be
1: preserved. But so the point is like, yes, like the warriors are hot shit in, in Coney Island, but anywhere else, uh, you know, they're just another nine guys.
0: Yeah. And especially when they get into like, you know, the different sections they end up having to fight through. Like you get these gangs who are like completely, I think, uh, out of their league in a sense where they're out of their league. The Warriors yeah, yeah. are very, you know, low level compared to some of these big gangs like the the Turnbull ACs or the uh certainly the uh Grammacy Riffs or as we said before the baseball Furies, like, you know. These things are
1: pretty frightening. So the story is they have to get and from the uppermost part of Man- of New York City to the lowermost p- part of New York City. Now the story comes uh is is One based on a book, which Deanna has has, uh, kind of referred to and uh, mentioned, and but that story itself is based on a true story.
0: Yes. The, the,
1: the, the writer, I read the
0: Blake and I, what we try to do for these casts as much as we can with our personal lives, because we do have real jobs besides.
1: <laughs> we try to read the novel. We would love to, we would yeah, love well, the, nothing more. Yeah, so if you want to sponsor this and make this our primary job. Eliminate the Saturday and Saturday <laughs> night movie sleepovers. <laughs> and, just, and just make it movie sleepovers. Yeah, and, nightly <laughs> movie
0: sleepovers. Um, <laughs> you know, we try to read the novelizations for books mostly, and this book wasn't a novelization. This predated the book by about um this came out in 65 and this movie came out in 79 so you have a while and you have some cultural differences that they had to uh update to make the movie but um at the time this came out b- by game uh, so i ended up reading the book that it's based on because i think it's such a good movie it had it held such a place in my heart why don't i give the book a try the book my came heart. out in 1965 by a jewish author named sol yurik and he had worked in the welfare department in the 50s and had seen the gangs and all this kind of thing that was happening in the 50s, and he kind of got mad at the uh, romanticism that you saw Hollywood do with movies like West Side Story, Rebel Without yeah. a Cause, Blackboard Jungle, where they tried to, like, romanticize the gangs. And he was there, and he's like, that's not at all how it really is. There's poverty, there's neglect, there's all kinds of stuff. And he was, a, uh, as Blake is loading to, he was a, a student of history. Yeah. And, and he p- was, was a very big fan of a book called the uh, Inabasis uh, which is a about a uh, a, a guy named uh, Xenophon a general, and it's a true story where this general Xenophon
1: no Xenophon is actually the Greek historian who relayed the story okay, I thought he was the general the general well. is actually named Cyrus Cyrus young, the young Cyrus the, the young Cyrus the younger is yeah. actually the general and it's a greek it's a it's an army of ten thousand Greek warriors. they go up to Persia into the old Persian Empire. And, um, in 401 B.C.
0: Yeah. So they just had the battle of Kanuxa, uh, maybe? I get, uh, can, We're can, not Canucksia. We, yeah, we, we don't know how to <laughs> say this. Uh, it was right after the, the battle of the, the, the Athens versus Sparta. And uh, they go into, to, to, into the old Persian Empire. They have this big battle. Uh, they, I don't know if they neither win nor lose, but they realize, shit, they're stranded in the middle of well, foreign what, territory. Yeah, well, what happens is I in think, Persia. if
1: I recall correctly, they actually, like, win the battle. But Cyrus is killed. Their leader is killed. Cyrus the Younger. Yeah. So then it's a s- story about these Greek warriors trying to get back to Greece. The sea. Their home turf. Yeah. Get back to the sea and having, and along the way, having to fight all these like Persian tribes. Yeah. So it's basically, if you haven't put the pieces together yet, it's this is what you th- take out the subway, yeah, <laughs> and you, you add in you add in some sandals,
0: <laughs> and maybe a horse drawn cart with a with a donkey. And
1: so this is a this was a, this apparently was it was a true story in uh, 401 and BC. it was uh, relayed by a Greek historian named Xenophon. Yeah. So uh, Saul Yurick takes the story and kind of transposes it Onto, over, over uh, New York in in, in 1965,
0: and uh, from reading the novel, which I guess I can get back to, it is very different because it 's much more realistic. Uh, uh, we can get into a little bit the specifics later, but initially, it is very much in the vein like um, the outsiders you know th- it 's very emphasized that these are adolescents they 're very ignorant, and then it 's them trying to deal with the world around them but also it's very violent it's very graphic it's very uh there's a lot of like um violence uh, there's rape in it there's all kinds of stuff that yeah, goes yeah. on in this book and it's very good so if you guys no, are no, fans the b- of the warriors i wholeheartedly suggest
1: you read it does the book take place in the future
0: no it takes place in 65 just uh at the time and um cyrus is now a guy named ishmael Re- uh, riviera and he uh, he was also a fan um, Sol Uric of Melville, Home Moby Dick, yeah. so he names the guy Ishmael Rivera, and then you know when they go make the movie, they turn that into Cyrus, and yeah. he's a guy that's never really explained. He wears glasses, he's never talked about uh, he, you know they don't they describe him, but you never get his inner thoughts until he has the meeting. He brings everybody uptown, he tells yeah. them, you know you can bring one gun as a peace offering, but no other weapons. They're signaled by a Beatles song on the radio. They go up there. And he holds court in Van Cortlandt Park, and he starts yelling, and he's, 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 in his head, he's saying he has to be this big orator, whale his arms around, he has to get their attention, because he knows that, you know, they're young, they're gonna, they have short attention spans, and he has his group of guys who are in white pants, ice cream, like, white pants, so you can distinguish them, they relay, like, telephone what he's saying, because, you know, you can't just yeah, yeah. yell out for 10,000 or whatever people to hear you. And then what happens is, everything is great, but then, like anything, it, it almost goes back to, like, Lord of the Flies. You know, these young gangs, you can't hold them disciplined forever. Yeah. So they start, you know, one guy, one gang starts fucking with another gang. And then before you know it, everybody starts fighting. And then s- shooting starts going off. And Cyrus is, sh- uh, or I guess in this one, Ishmael is shot and killed. He's shot twice. Yeah. One in the eye, one in the chest. And then at the same time, the cops raid it. And the last thing I'll say before we get back to the movie uh, to get away from the book is, the warriors just get away and they run into the hide in Woodlawn Cemetery. It's never mentioned that they killed Cyrus. That's a device that they a very clever device yeah. that they brought into the movie to add a level of intrigue and like adventure and, and I guess almost suspense. Yeah. So they end up in and much like any good movie does, it follows the beats of the book. You know, yeah. it's much different. All the characters' names are different, which we can get into, but it does follow the beats loosely of what happens in the book. Yeah. So it's Interesting when you see a movie that you just saw on Saturday afternoon have all this backstory you never even knew about. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then you know, let's talk about Walter Hill.
1: Freaking yeah, awesome. Also, yeah, Walter Hill is the man. Um, Walter Hill worked as a like a second assistant director, unaccredited a lot of times on a lot
0: of really good shit. Like, uh, a lot of McQueen related stuff. Yeah, he did Bullet. He did. Um, he did, I think, The Thomas Crown Affair. And then he came out as well, a writer. He, uh, as, a, as a second unit, a second unit yeah. director. And then second he wrote director. The Getaway. He wrote this, the Jim, Jim Thompson, wrote the original uh, novel. He adapted the screenplay for The Getaway. And then he wrote a lot of good screenplays. Well,
1: he wanted to get into directing. And he was told that he could get into directing as being, through being a writer. Yeah. So he started Which writing. Which is what we've been trying to do for <laughs> the past 10 years. So, <laughs> which <laughs> so he started writing and he's written a lot of stuff and um <clears throat> but then he uh, in the early seventies he started he finally started he got his directorial debut yeah so I think
0: it's the hard times that Charles Bronson which yeah, well.
1: directed the driver which is
0: a phenomenal movie with Bruce Dern and uh, Tatum O'Neill's father what's his name uh, uh, something O'Neill yeah. up, uh, I never
1: remember his name uh, uh, anyway great movie. And then his third movie is Warriors. Yeah. Now, judging from uh, this director's cut that we've uh, alluded to, uh, that, that finally got re-released
0: in two thousand five, that he a- he did kind of a <coughs> a poor man's um, uh, what do you call it, uh, Lucas on it. Yeah. He kind of lucified it, <laughs> Lucasfied it, if they can make that a word. Uh, he's clearly uh, as much as Ryan like O'Neill. Ryan O'Neill, yeah, of course. Sorry, of course. Yeah. And, and, you know, if you guys have never heard of The Driver and you like all those Fast and Furious movies, Jesus Christ, you got to go see The Driver. Because in the movie, the guy's name is Driver and the other guy, Bruce Dern's after him, called Cop. Driver never smiles and it's, like, fucking awesome. But I digress.
1: <laughs> this is a little little shout out to yeah. The Driver. So he uh, clearly is making a movie based on this book. But Walter Hill, who uh, okay, so Warriors—he's probably best known for the Forty Eight Hours movie. Yeah, he did.
0: He did Forty Eight Hours. Um, he did uh, Brewster's Millions. He's done Red Heat. Johnny Handsome, another 48 Hours, did a favorite of mine, Trespass. <laughs> Trespass, uh, yeah. He did Last Man Standing. La- which, is which,
1: <laughs> which is one that kind of, it's a, it's a, it's a movie that's dear and dear to mine.
0: Yeah, I know, which is another uh, Yojimbo uh, kind of regurgitation yeah. from Kurosawa because he's a big Kurosawa yeah, fan. Yeah. And which that's his third collaboration with um, David Patrick Kelly because yeah, he's yeah. in 48 Hours and in... Um,
1: uh, and uh, in case you don't know, Yo Jimbo or Yo Yimbo, uh, Fistful of Dollars is, yeah, is the popular. Uh, it's like the, the more popular Eastwood of, um, of, uh, retelling of it. Yeah, and so it's a very much in that story. So, but uh, that's directing. That's only directing. Yeah, yeah. Now,
0: writing and producing, he's done a, sc- a crap crapload of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he like produced like Alien
1: or yeah, something. Yeah, right? well, that's that's one of the re-
0: <laughs> he helped produce Alien, and at the time he uh, was with Ridley Scott, and they screened a movie called Madman that was shot in Israel because a young Sigourney Weaver was in it and they were looking to see if she was right for the part in an alien. And also in it was Michael Beck who turns out to play Swan in our movie, yeah. the head of the, after, uh, Cleon, <coughs> um, the head of the, the warriors gets killed at the melee. Um, Swan becomes war chief, which is like the head of the warriors. They, yeah. they, they figured out in, in, Van Cortland park. And he saw him in that movie, madman. And he called him and said, you'll be good for the warriors. And that's how they cast him. And, uh, he did that. He he did the. He came up with the story for Aliens. Um, he he wrote a whole st- uh, like slew of stuff. I mean, we said The Getaway. Uh, we said Hard Times. He did The Long Riders, was a great western. He did um, the story for Aliens. He wrote Red Heat. He wrote in another Forty Hours. He did the screenplay for Aliens Three. He did the screenplay for the remake of The Getaway with um, Alec Baldwin, Kim Basinger. He did the screenplay for Last Standing. He directed and wrote that movie Undisputed, which was that boxing movie with um, in prison with Ving Rhames and Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, what's his face from the Blade movies? <coughs> no, it was Wesley, Snipes. Wesley Snipes. And then he. Uh, producing, he's done... On, then again, it's like, you know, we talk about again, he, he produced The Warriors, produced Alien, uh, he produced Aliens, he produced Red Heat, he produced Aliens 3, he produced Geronimo and American Legend, he did a bunch of twi- uh, Tales from the Crypt movies, he produced Tales from the Crypt Demon Knight. Class. I know. Uh, Last, uh, Last Man Standing, Bordello of Blood. <laughs> Another classic. Dennis Miller. <laughs> uh, I know <laughs> Alien Resurrection. He, he produced again the Undisputed. He did a couple episodes of Deadwood. Uh, he did Alien, AVP, Alien vs Predator, uh, Broken Trail from a couple years ago with uh, Robert Duvall. Uh, Alien vs Predator we- Requiem. Uh and then he most recently produced Prometheus, and he's producing Prometheus too. Yeah, so yeah. Th- he's all over the place in the weirdest places.
1: Yeah. You know. But so he's a guy that knows his. Sh- shit. He knows his shit pretty good. And so uh as much as this movie is based on this novel by Saul Yurka, uh, you can tell that uh, Walter Hill really kind of is more it's through the more through the director's cut than anything else is very much more interested in this like this Greek story. Um one he renames the, you know, Ishmael to Cyrus. Yeah. Cleon is a is a is a Greek name. He starts throwing as in, is Ajax. Ajax is a Greek name. He starts throwing in like these little nods to the original and, you Greek know, story. And in the director's cut, if I recall correctly, they, they put in a new. Uh, he it epilogue. opens with like a like a scroll that kind of describes the and like, a
0: little animation of the gr- of the Greek uh, Anabasis. A- a- anabasis. I can never pronounce it right. A n a
1: b a s i s. for everybody.
0: Anabasis. Um and. I guess two last things, too, that he changed in the book was, which I think they should have kept, the book takes place on July 4th, so this fireworks going off, it's the American celebration of, you know, their independence, Yeah. and as well as, the name of the book is the Warriors, okay, so that's supposed to be the name of the gangs, these are warriors, yeah, but yeah. actually, the name of the Warriors gang in the book is the Coney Island Dominators, Huh. So Interesting. Th- yeah, they're not the Warriors. So they they refer to as the Warriors throughout the book, you know. But their name are the Coney Island Dominators, which I don't think th- uh, that that comes up in the movie. Like the the name Dominators, I mean, they're clearly the Warriors, but I don't yeah, think yeah, they yeah. named any other gang to that. So. Um, yeah, he, he changes it enough, but he keeps it, you know, to a certain extent, pretty faithful. Yeah. to You know, he you, ha- you have to update because now when you're in the mid-60s and you're making a book about late 50s, early 60s gangs, you're talking, like, freaking Leader of the Pack and, like, you know, Leather, uh, Ken Anger, yeah, you know, that yeah. kind of, like, freaking, you know, biker jackets and, <laughs> you know, a lot of, like, switchblades. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you got to kind of update it for the time. So you see why he did some stuff and he, you know, did different things.
1: Um, as uh, for mo- as a movie itself, I mean, some of the things, uh, there are uh, – I've had people, I was just talking to a friend of uh, mine last night, um, telling him that we were going to do this movie today. He's like, there's something about it that just kind of reminds me of, like, West Side Story, even though it's not a musical. And uh, one of the things is, and it's, I guess because it was shot in New York City, like, the easiest way to get, like, a shitload of people was they just hired, like, Broadway dancers to play all the all the gang. Members. I have
0: a friend of mine that I work with, who's a ENG, uh, uh, one of the field camera guys, and he lived on the Upper West Side growing up, and he said, you know, like we alluded to, they shot the opening conclave scene at on Riverside drive at the park there, Riverside park. And he remembers he lived in that neighborhood that they were looking for extras and yeah. he didn't do it, but that's where you know, casting call for extras. And, yeah. you know, they had like 10,000 people there.
1: Yeah. You know it I mean? that's kind of what I was going to, where, where I was going to kind of go is that, okay. So that's, you know, one of the things is like, okay, so it's this is a bunch of like, you know, like dancers playing these guys. So that a lot of times the, the gangs don't, in a lot of cases, don't look all that tough. But as a movie that clearly, I think you would think of this movie as being pretty low budget, it's pretty amazing that they get that many people organized in the park um, I mean, when you watch it, and then the cops come, it, it's an, it's impressive. It's like yeah. a huge spectacle.
0: And the the ad talks about how he just did it. He just he's like, how am I going to get it to look like a riot without people actually getting hurt? Because they're all non actors. Yeah. They don't know what to do. So he just said like, you know, he took the first fifty people and he had them run in a circle. Took the next hundred people, put them around them, had them run in a semicircle circle. Then he had the next. 100 people had him run left to right, and he had the yeah. people before that run right to left. So from a long like shot, it looks like a melee. Yeah, but It's like organized chaos. Yeah, so everybody's just, you know, you're running this way. So all they really had to do was just follow the person in front of them yeah, as opposed yeah. to no, you know, hit beats or hit, you know, marks and stuff.
1: No, you know, I think you know, we talked about with the with the cast, I mean, the the different gangs and stuff, adding this, like, air of cheesiness. You said you had a friend that just, like, couldn't get into it. I think this movie personally is, like, shockingly well made. Yeah. Um, just you take just the opening sequence as just like a, a like a study of like filmmaking. Oh, I know. He means from, from
0: the from the opening, just the opening credits.
1: Yeah, it's such like a beautiful like display of like editing, of like the juxtaposing of the picking of the of the delegates that are going to go to the meeting, and then the the talking with them on the train. Yeah, you know camaraderie the way, the way it's like all intercut as
0: well as they're they're dropping knowledge on people who don't know where they're uh they're intercutting them on the subway as well as showing the subway map yeah so you see the one guy Rembrandt looking at the map and then you then you we, we get to see the journey they're going because the camera's panning up so if someone who's not from New York has an idea yeah, like they're yeah. going all the way up here and yeah, yeah. and then you have these like really weird like vignettes that, that are non related of just like the, the gangs the people talking to each other like what's gonna happen up there I don't know yeah, they say yeah. he's the man you know? it is
1: such a beautiful. Piece of filmmaking.
0: Yeah, and then as well as the they they put a camera on the head end of a train, a subway train, and just and that's also being cut by you. Just you're you, it's like you're first person of you going through the subways, yeah. and it, and it's lit beautifully. And there's a there's a weird. I know they had limitations of their lighting, but there's a weird like industrial blue kind of look through the movie, you know, because yeah. of that you know that look of fr- fluorescent lights and stuff. And it's just yeah. it's beautiful, you know. It's just. It's so well done, and originally they had another opening to the movie. They had an opening that they did... Uh, where Cleon, the head of the Warriors, talks to his girlfriend during the day on a park bench at the beginning on the boardwalk in Coney Island. And she's like, don't go. And he's like, I have to go, bitch, or whatever. Whatever Cleon Yeah. And he goes and he, and he says, these are the Warriors I'm picking. And then the movie starts. And they, they decided against it and reshot what we're talking about now is because they thought since the whole movie takes place at night, it'll be a better impact if we have the only scene that takes place at the yeah. day at the end of the movie, which yeah. I think is a, yeah. was a brilliant idea because it, it really gets you into it.
1: Yeah. It's such a. It's it really is like, like campiness of like whatever of the gang costumes. Oh,
0: that's like another aspect too. You see during the the montage other gangs coming, yeah. so you get the you get an idea of all the you see the boppers, you see the riffs, you see the, you know the the uh, the the turbo turbo HCs, you see the Lizzies, you see the baseball furies getting their bats. It's so <laughs> great, you know. It,
1: um, <coughs> Yeah, so I mean, all that aside, and like still like the restriction of budget and whatnot, it's just it's there are some really genuinely um, beautiful moments in the movie. Yeah, I think like uh, (coughs) excuse me, um, get all choked up here. Okay, here's some tissues. Um, Especially on like the acting side, even though a lot of the acting isn't great, there are some great moments. Um, well, I think that guy Michael Beck is,
0: the, who plays Swan, is really good in it. You know, I've always said when I was really little, not really little, but I like, can you know, when I was in my teens. I think if they ever made like a Doors movie at the time, yeah. he would have a perfect Jim Morrison. He looked yeah. so like
1: you know that look. But I think he's great. Unfortunately, like he went on like th- like the next movie was like Xanadu or something. He just like unfortunately like his career just never. Yeah, he like, never this hit movie was like supposed to like make him a star, and then. It just had some... There were some bad, there were some bad choices or something yeah. along the way that just kind of stunted his his growth in terms of career. Um, the guy that plays Ajax is like... in James Remar, He he's in tons of stuff. Yeah,
0: and women know him from Sex and the City. He had a big part in Sex and the City, and he was in Tales from the Dark Side, the movie. He's yeah. the one with the gargoyle. Yeah. Um, he's absolutely great in that movie. You have a cameo by Mercedes Rule. That's her first movie. Her She's first a cop. I think
1: it's... Ajax's first screen uh, yeah.
0: part. Um, the, the woman, Deborah Van uh, Valkenberg, who plays Mercy, the girl they pick up by the orphans. It's her first movie, too. Yeah. She's been in some stuff she here and there. She
1: was in uh, Too Close for Comfort. Is the that show. the name of the show? With the yeah, yeah. With he, Ted Knight? Yeah, yeah. He was, she was like, Ted Knight had two daughters. Talk about, what a weird show. Ted he, plays a, he plays like a cartoonist who has this cartoon uh, where the character is a cow. Okay. And then he, d- I do you not remember this show? I, n- I well? never,
0: I never, it was one of those I and never then, watched.
1: And then, so he, when he would draw the cartoon, Movies he had me. a puppet of the cow, and he would draw the cartoon, the comic, with the, the like a like a clown puppet hand. And then he had two daughters in the show one that was like blue, like blue eyed, blonde, and then w- this one who was like dark haired, like a little salt and pepper. Action and then uh, Jim J. Bullock was like their neighbor. Were they birthed by them or was he? Were they adopted? No, I think they were supposed to be their. Like one's an and Aryan so and one's like a Puerto Rican. So she's <laughs> one of the daughters. <laughs> that's weird. Um, uh, anyway,
0: we have um uh, uh, check it out.
1: It's on like Antenna or one of those channels. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, I know. I, I, that's how I've been starting to watch it again now. And I was like, oh, I forgot about this show. Uh, you have Marcelino uh, Sanchez who people our age will remember from the bloodhound gang on three to one contact he's Rembrandt in the movie uh-huh. you know these bitches are packing he's been in a lot of stuff and he yeah. passed away in 1986 he died but uh, I think he plays a great role and I don't know if he's if if the under over undertone or the they're supposed to hint that he's gay because yeah. remember the lizards are trying to like you want to party and he's like get away from me bitch. But he's also
1: like the young naive one yeah you know the, the, it, it,
0: it's the same thing where it's like in the book they have all different names in the book you have Papa Arnold the book very much keeps the feel that they are a family and they're referred to as the family you don't yeah. disrespect the family and the the leader of the gang is is. Arnold, the father, and then you have Hector, who's the second in command, which is our swan. You have Lungface, who's like very strong, very dangerous, very big. He almost is described as like the thing from Fantastic Four. Yeah, a, yeah. He's very stupid, too, and I think that's like our, our Ajax. You have um, Bimbo, which is the advisor, so he's, I, uh, he's maybe you know, uh, another person. You have Hilton, who is the central character in the book, which I think is supposed to be in this movie, Fox which we can get to what happened with Fox, <laughs> yeah, yeah. who play, played by Thomas Waits, and, and the, who's actually unbilled in this movie, who goes on to do The Thing and some other yeah, stuff. he plays
1: Windows in John Carpenter's
0: The Thing. Yeah, and he's in Justice for All and all that. And lastly, you have, um, you have Dewey, another uh, member of the gang, and then you have The Junior, he's called. He's the youngest of the group, and he's the group's mascot. And he's the most naive one. He's the one that is relegated to do the spray painting like Rembrandt. And yeah. it's, it's to bring up, like I say, the childhood innocence in this gang, where when they're in Woodlawn Park or the Law cemetery they're scared but it's their best hid place he's like we got to get out of here because it's almost midnight and you know the the, the you know the, the dead will come out at midnight and as stupid as that sounds they don't necessarily disagree with him yeah. so they're like uh, okay maybe we should get out of here it is a little too freaky for us so it, it does reinforce the adolescent you know na- naivete yeah, aspect yeah. of all them but um a lot of great cast in the movie as well as you know, my main man, David Patrick, who I think is phenomenal and is probably one of the most underrated actors. I mean, I think he got pigeonholed for very good reasons. And I guess for him, maybe he doesn't think it's the, the, it's the best for careers, but this was his first role. He was in a, a, a a Broadway play called working that they'd seen. And he played like a hippie in that. That was like supposed to be a hippie, but then he really wasn't. He was doing violent things. Yeah, yeah. And they cast him, and I think he. And they said like, you know, it's kind of like a Richard
1: III kind of a part. And I think he's just brilliant in this movie. He is great in th- in this. I mean, he's he's a great. He's a very intense actor, it, um, and he
0: uses his his attributes very effectively. He has a very high. He almost has, like, a Cobra Commander-esque kind of a voice, so he can, he can use that whining very well, yeah, yeah. like in Dreamscape or, uh, you know, he's in Commando. Solly, you know, you know you're a funny guy, Sully. That's why I kill you last. You know, he's, he shows up in 48 hours. He plays Luther again. Uh, there's a Dominican Republic parade going by <laughs> my house. Uh, so that's why if you hear any of this bass, it's not like we're in a big old <laughs> club. Um, you may hear it. You may not. But um, that's what's happening Middle outside. Middle of the night. It's early morning. And it's kind of fitting, too, because we're talking about you know the, it's ga- the games. It's early Sunday morning. You yeah. know, It's, it's kind of the, parade eth- going the ethnicities. Uh, and he is great in the movie. And uh, I find it really interesting, I mean, to get in the nuts and bolts. Who do you think he's talking to? You know, he has two phone conversations where he calls somebody. And he's very respectful to that person, yeah, and yeah. I think he's getting information. But I, I, I'm always curious to see who he's talking to. He's never—he's very like subdued. He's very nice. He doesn't treat that person like he treats the gang. So, and he's getting updates of what's happening as well. But I, I'm always so curious, like you know, like they kept it in, but you don't know why. You yeah. know, who the heck is he talking to? You because know? then he's later he's mean to that candy store lady, and she's like, you know, you who's gonna pay for what you owe?
1: And he's like, for what? And he throws the stuff at her, and it's yeah, like, he's yeah. so good. Yeah, you know? he is. He is great. He he adds like this air of like menace or or men, definitely that, but like psychotic. Uh, also, like uh, I can't think of the word, but like I can't think of it. But he adds, like this, you know, seriousness to it. Like he take like his performance. Kind of takes. It's one of the things. It's one of those moments in the film that takes it away from being like this
0: uh, genre, like, like this picture. Yeah,
1: like this genre B picture with like guys dressed up like mimes as a, gay, you know, yeah, and adds like a, a little bit of. Uh, I can't believe the, the words escaping me, but adds like you know gives it. Some substance, like yeah. some seriousness. He's so intense and he's so serious.
0: And he says that he that you know, half of the thirty two films he went on to do were he was cast because of this movie. You know? And then when, when the movie came out he, his mother saw it and she said, yeah. You almost seem tough in it <laughs> to that. To but
1: th- there's something great about it that he doesn't seem tough in it. You know what I mean? Yeah, like well, he like well, he comes
0: off like that Richard the third where he's like he's tough. Where he needs to be, but he's at the end of the day,
1: he's just. Like he's, it's wind. not. It's not like it's not, he's not tough. He's like crazy. He's almost like Scorpio <laughs> from Dirty <laughs> exactly. Harry. He would have been awesome. Can as, you imagine as him, as great as the Andy guy, Robinson? As yeah, as great as Andy Robinson is. In imagine the movie? him ten years and earlier. I'm not even saying David Patrick Kelly would do a better job, but it would be a really. Awesome performance. And
0: I'm, I'm, I'm going to patent this right now. If anyone ever remakes the Warriors, which uh, 10 years ago, it was in the, I heard it was in the works with Tony Scott, who just sadly passed away. They were going to take place in L.A. I think that's been kibosh because, of course, Tony Scott passed on, but yeah. uh, I haven't heard anything else about it. If they ever remake it, I think Robin Lord Taylor, who plays the Penguin on Gotham, yeah. would be a great Luther uh, yeah. nowadays. He, he you would know, be great. Whiny and all that kind of. And, you know, you got to go see David Patrick Kelly's stuff. I mean, he's great in uh, Dreamscape. He's great in Commando. He's got some really good, you know. He's
1: he, he's good. Do you recall what our dream David Patrick Kelly uh Cobra Commander? Well, that G.I. Joe. <laughs> that we were going to be that was our casting and our casting of GI Joe, which we talk about in our GI Joe the movie cast, cast to check cartoon that out. Yeah, uh, but do you remember what our other dream casting was? No, what was David it Patrick? It was got? a biopic. No, no Houdini.
0: Oh, <laughs> he would make an awesome Houdini. You're so we, right. We always said we wanted yeah, to he's make a Houdini. He's that thing. short. I thought it was Harvey Keitel at the time who actually went on to play Houdini in that fairy tales, the fairy yeah, tale yeah, movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he'd be a great he's he's guy.
1: He's got those blue eyes, and he's kind of got like that the nose, like the f- and the you know, A th- hair. Similar you,
0: face Yeah, shape. if you just kind of like fuzz his hair out a little bit, and you know, get him like a little sinewy jacked up. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, he'd be great.
1: But so, uh, great performances. That performance is great. Some of my other favorite moments in the movie are uh, Ajax and the Mercedes Rule oh, scene.
0: Yeah, well, that, they say that's how he got the part. He went into to the audition. He read for that scene. And he, and he said he was in front of a big conference table. It was like a couple hundred pounds. So he acted like he handcuffed himself. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe he even brought handcuffs. And during the, the reading, the sides for the audition, he actually grabbed the coffee table like it was the park bench and lifted the coffee table yeah, and yeah. stunned the, uh, the, 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 but the n- not people even so much. N- besides that, he from that,
1: he's trying to pick up this girl... A uh, uh, aside that he's going to basically, like, rape her. <laughs> well, that's, that's another thing that happens
0: in, this, in, yeah, in yeah. the book. They do that. They take the, the Mercy character, the Spanish yeah. girl they get from the orphans. They take her along. The next scene, uh, th- they, they get a switchblade off a guy they got from, it's not the orphans, it's another, the blazers, and they stab a random guy to death. She's cheering him on, and then they all gang rape her and leave her there. And it's like, to, to give you a, 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 an interesting part of the book, the, the psychosis of this book, there is a scene where Lungface, who I, th- who I think is supposed to be Ajax, they're waiting under 233rd for, for they call their youth board uh, advisor up, pick them up, because like, you know, uh, it, it's only, th- it was part of the speech in Cyrus that was cut out of the Cyrus speech, but it's referred to when they're talking to the orphans they of course have never heard of the orphans and they say oh my youth board guy always talks about you i've heard about you and the orphans are like oh really that's really cool so they're waiting in the shadows of 233rd for their youth board guy to come up all the way from um coney and they're getting bored and lung face they're all... Because they're kids. They're just getting antsy. They're fucking around. And, and the, the the leader, um Hector, keeps telling them to shut the hell up, stay in the shadows. So Face is getting agitated, and he sees, like, a couple walk by. And he's like, yo... He walks up, like, why don't we just go take that girl? And he says, like, you know, they're around the corner. All we have to do is Indian up and jab them quick and take those cunt. Uh, take that cunt. And then uh, he goes, we owe it to them chicks to show them how men operate, don't we? And Hector goes... He says, no, no, and then he says, quote, Hector told Lungface to make the girl out of his hand and to cool his warrior in the dark waiting place. The Lungface did what Hector said, but it was so hot, he didn't like it much. So it's like, that's where the, the yeah. the the, uh, the I guess, the
1: psyche of the book is. It's yeah. dark, it's weird. But so I, I think in the case of the, in this scene in the movie, though, what I love so much about it is that even though, like, these guys are all... I guess playing younger than they are. Yeah. Um, Like, you see... That whole scene, you see, like, how, like, naive Ajax really is. He, like, he wants to go... You know, this lady, Swan's like, you really are, like, dumb, aren't you? And he's like, I'm not... You know, I'm not dumb. Like, it's very... Oh, when he
0: challenges them, almost, he's like, you know, who even at the beginning that establishes yeah, the yeah. character where he's like who made you war chief and, yeah, and, and yeah. they don't even he's like we're leaving Yeah, and he leaves him there
1: but yeah but then he's like well I'm gonna go and I'm gonna get a, get get some action so he goes and then like you just see like his you know you could see it as violent but the way it kind of reads to me is that like the way he kind of like attacks Mercedes Rule, rules character is that like he doesn't really know what to do with the woman like this is what he thinks like making out, just like going for her tits, and like being kind of rough. Like it seems less, that's what they want. Less they want like the like assault. less like that he's a violent. He's being violent for any kind of like violent purpose. More that like he he doesn't. Maybe he's never even really been with a girl before. Yeah. And then when it turns out that she's spoiler alert a police officer yeah. and she handcuffs him to the thing, and he's like he's like swinging at her and he's trying to be this tough guy. And the cop comes and he.
0: Uh, Irwin Keyes is the cop who yeah. almost got cast in his part, but they thought he was too old. Yeah, I think that would have went more towards his lunk face yeah, casting. Yeah, you know, yeah, definitely a big, big like, guy. You guy. know him if you saw him. Yeah, a he's, kind a, of a, he's a
1: ton of stuff. I was just watching. Uh, what's that Cohen Brothers? Almost
0: movie. looks like uh, Rondo Hatton. He yeah, does. Have, he has like a Rondo. Uh, 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 we can get it. That's a. That's a. If you anyway, know that reference, so good he for comes you. and
1: he be, and he beats up Ajax a little bit, and then Ajax looks up. He's got like blood in his mouth, and he's like. In tears, almost. Yeah, and he
0: calls him a he calls him a, a wimp. Yeah, or, yeah, or, or like a, a coward or yeah. something like that. And that's the end of the Ajax. Here, he gets caught, and people got pissed off. People got really mad after the screening, saying, "Why would you do that to
1: Ajax?" Yeah. You know. But and I think it's such a beautiful moment because you 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 take this guy. I think it's it's just like it's very telling. I think it's more telling about that scene is more telling about that character than almost any other scene in the entire movie is telling about any of the yeah. other
0: characters. Well, I think. For me, there's the scene at the... After they've gotten away and they're on the subway and they're go, getting the Coney and the the, uh, the but,
1: teenagers but, come uh, off from prom night. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, the, that, that's uh, another scene that I would definitely bring up. But what I was going to say is that this scene shows that, like, when push comes to shove, like, he is just, like, this young, naive guy. He's not that tough. Yeah. You know, and that, like, if he was really tough, he'd be like, you oh, know, fuck you, pig, or whatever, like that. Instead, he's, he's like... He's been hit, and he's, like, almost cries over yeah, it. he's like, you pussy. He, yeah. can't, he
0: can't do anything. So it's, like, almost he's so rage, you know?
1: No, it, yeah. They, you could read it that way. To me, it's just, like, he's never really been hit before. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know yeah. what I mean? Like, he's just, like, he's just, like, this kid who's playing grown up in, in a lot of ways. And, yeah. like now that he's in, like, a real situation, it, uh, you know, it's, he's kind of, like, broken down, and he realizes, like, that fucking shit's bigger than Coney Island
0: um, he's got one of my favorite lines in the movie too at the beginning when he's the guy's like oh you know we can, maybe we'll be able to get some Tail or whatever, and yeah, the guy's yeah. like, "Let's not worry about that." And he's like, "You going faggot?"
1: <laughs> he says <laughs> yeah, he throws that not, around a it's lot. It's not so PC. The, the, that 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 f bomb gets gets thrown around a couple times. But yeah, the scene you're referring to, uh, go for it because that is the other. Well, uh, that's like the real. I, I really beautiful like.
0: Scene yeah, the where at the end of the movie where you know they've been really mean to to, to the mercy character, the woman for the right reasons because she kind of you know she's like the minute. I mean, Walter minib- Hill
1: women in Walter Hill movies don't normally. Fair very well yeah. in terms of they're very manipulative or they're whores. You know, or <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's promiscuous. It's out there. of a,
0: for this particular character, I'm not calling women all this, but for her character, it's kind of a, a little truth behind it. That's how she's been treated all her life. Remember in yeah. the subway, she's like, Take me now forcefully. And remember yeah. he was like, You probably don't remember who you've had a Friday or Saturday night. She's like, Well, I see the other women older than me who've got five kids and a big belly. I'm yeah. living for now, so I want to live it now while I still have a life because I'm not going to ha- have a life when I'm that age. And, you know, She likes them, but then when she throws them herself Adam he he pushes away and i think she's never had that before yeah, so that yeah. draws
1: Well it's, yeah the, it's a bu- that is that dichotomy he kisses they kiss a little bit in the, in the subway tunnel he pulls away and he's like all right let's go and she's like no and she's like really like come on yeah please you know like, like you to know, her like that's what like a t- like the attention she like craves that attention in yeah, a very again a very like innocent you know like uh That's that's how she gets her love way you know, you know? Yeah. Like, that's love to her and she like needs that kind of male attention Being and when he does give it to her. She's very like, you know, she doesn't really know what to do about it and she feels like very rejected in a way that like she probably never had. I think I guess what I'm saying is like a lot of this even though the actors are older and it they seem older and and, and people in general when you watch movies from the 70s f- feel older than yeah. people now, even though they might not be. That's with life. I think a in lot Hollywood. of that, a lot of that, like that adolescent, like innocence that you're talking about in the book. I think really, these are the moments. These moment, are, that these come are out. the moments that they come out really strong in the movie. Yeah,
0: and then at the end when they, they've they've busted everybody and they're on the last subway back to Coney, um, this this high school prom kids come on and they've had a good night, and then they realize sitting across them on the subway is uh, the Warriors, particularly Swan and her. Yeah, and. um you know they look at them and they look at how dirty they've been yeah, from the night they're
1: all dirty because they're running through the subway tunnel
0: she's in flip-flops you know yeah. they you know their hands are their nails are black there's dirt under them and you and know these people are in like you 70s know. prom circa <laughs> Carrie, john travolta like you know yeah, like, yeah. The, the, like they're all done tuxedos up. so they kind of get scared and they look at her and she subconsciously looks at the girl who's dressed up as a prom and starts, starts to maybe fix her hair a little bit because it's in her face and swan which i think is like it, it's such a caring thing he t- he takes put takes her hand and puts it down like you know you're you don't need to yeah, to, yeah. to 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 try to make yourself look better you know who are these people you're yeah, fine yeah. as you are and then which i find like a little coda to that scene is she like okay she closes her eyes they get up and leave and, and the corsage drops yeah. and then she kind of opens her eyes again and they're gone. So it's almost like it was a dream, you know? It's yeah, like almost, yeah. you know, and, and cause her, her POV of, of them, now they're, they're not in this, the, the, the yeah. seat across. What is
1: it's a beautiful, like, it's the only time you really see anybody that's not a gang in the movie or a cop. Yeah. You know, it's the only time you see that, like, there are other people that live in New York.
0: And it's, you know, and it's, it's another thing, in the book they call the people that aren't gangs or cops others the others and it's very funny because um when they get onto the subways the subways in the book and i guess in the movie too are supposed to be neutral territory you can that's you know you have to get around town so subways are neutral territory but i guess they've never been around people so when they get on the subway in the book at 233rd and start going down they're horrified by the people there's like drunks there's scary people there's guys reading newspapers there's people you know pissing and they're afraid of the others it's like a horror show and there's too many people and they're getting pushed around yeah, and yeah. all that and then finally when the fire starts and, and they, the subway stops and they have to get off and that gets an example of why they have to get off the subway and not ride home to coney in the book you know they're they're almost they don't want to have to go back and deal because they because the subway offers bus transportation to the next stop because of the fire yeah. and they're like we don't want to take the bus man those yeah. people are too scary the others and that again goes to like the innocence. You know, yeah, like yeah. they they can't deal with you know like
1: outside their bubble. Yeah, their regular it's like society the world is scary. Yeah. <laughs> you know? know, even to a
0: gang who yeah. you know they goes on to to they go on to kill a random person, then rape, yeah, gang yeah. rape the mercy character, and leave her there, the and book. she's fine. Yeah, and she's yeah. yeah,
1: and and so in this instance, we see like this scene, no dialogue exchanged, all done in visuals. This is the end with the yeah with the prom. Yeah. We see like okay, we see like this like juxtaposition of their life, their lifestyle with like clearly unlike a, a more upper class you know like a warrior you know they probably didn't even have prom they would have gone No to they prom. don't even know that so they're, know. Sure they're not even high school anymore. They probably so, dropped out years ago. So before. they see like it's like this little juxtaposition of the, the, these two worlds and then as as much as uh, what's her name Mercy? Yeah Mercy the character. As much as like the Mercy character like talks about you know the toughness and the and the and you know the men and and all this stuff and how she doesn't want like that typical life. This is that moment where she sees this other, like what her. Kind of like the life she wishes. Like you said, yeah. and then when she closes her eyes, she opens, it's gone. Like it is like this dream. And it's, she's looking at something kind of longingly. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why, you know, she wants to like kind of fix her hair. She wants, to, she, she does care about yeah, about what, kind of what they think. Maybe she wants to be more like that or whatever. And it molds
0: into the next scene where they, they she wakes, she wakes up. They finally hit the end of the platform on Stillwell Avenue, which is in Coney. They get out. The, the corsage has been dropped and the first thing Swan who almost is now transcending like her is saying like you know we fought for all this here yeah, yeah. and he's like this is this is what's it this is our life and then he gives her the corsage and she's like why'd you do that and he's like I hate seeing things go to waste and that's almost yeah, another yeah. metaphor of like look at these people's lives. What the hell are they fighting for? This turf. Like Cyrus was saying. But I mean, he was saying it more maliciously. And he's
1: about himself too. Yeah. It's like transcending. Yeah. You know, he's not just talking about everybody else. He's talking about like, look at what, because he's like, I want to travel. I just want to get out. He's having this moment. Like his life has, he has been wasting life here. And it's almost like this
0: is open. This, this horrifying night has opened his eyes. Um, Again, also to talk to talk about who she's in the book to a lesser extent is Lynn Fickpen, Who's the DJ. Okay, she yeah. was also in the working play with David Patrick Kelly. They both got cast at the same time. And she didn't realize at the time that they, all they were going to see is just these extreme close ups of her mouth. Yeah, yeah. And uh, people our age, I think also maybe a little younger, might know her from 15 years later as the uh, police sergeant or captain in the Where in the World's Carmen Sandiego game show. Game yeah, show. On
1: PBS. Yeah, <laughs> and that's interesting
0: because she was on PBS. And then, um, what's his face? Sanchez. Uh, Marcelino Sanchez was in three to one contact. He yeah, was in yeah. the Bloodhound Gang, also
1: on PBS, which is very. She's odd. also in Tootsie. She's in a lot of yeah, stuff. you and You'd recognize her if you see her, especially if you hear her voice, <laughs> because you know.
0: Well, she the the, the, the DJ. It's, it's it's another weird effect that Walter Hill does, where everything's played in extreme close-ups. You see extreme close-ups of the record, the needle, or the the reel to reel player, or her mouth going into the to the phone. And she's got such a distinctive mouth, and it's her character is kind of chilling to me. I've always thought because. She's completely apathetic about the whole thing. She's very sexual, just how she delivers lines. And she's almost a liaison giving the news out. She's almost like the Tokyo Rose in the old days or or whatever, giving the the news out to the spies. Because she's the one in the book who plays the Beatles song to signal the gangs that it's okay. let's move into the meeting in the movie she's the one passing the information on like oh the warriors we heard they got passed blah 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 so here's and she's playing nowhere to run for them yeah, at the yeah. end you know and it's like she's completely a- apathetic to the whole thing you know, who cares yeah, yeah. you know but she knows and you know i think it's a great part and it's very she's the only female in it aside from mercy you know yeah,
1: yeah. it's a great device it kind of moves things forward it kind of it keeps it she's ke- the she's again almost the greek chorus yeah yeah you know definitely of the whole thing um, and um, then the end, great! Like you said, the impact of like we've seen this whole, you know, like the whole thing is just been this one horrible night, and then the ne- and then they get off the train and Coney Island, their home, and it's daylight. It's like the salvation of like the new day. <laughs> like that horrible night is over. Yeah. We have it, it is very powerful to have that last scene, as you mentioned, be like. the the only scene where there's sunlight
0: and they have to face off against the rogues and then comes the famous and you see
1: like they're walking through like it's so it's still so early that nothing's open you know it's very yeah very early morning they're walking through Coney Island as the sun's coming amusement park the sun's coming up like the Wonder Wheel and everything none of the you know the park's not open yet and uh the
0: rogues are following them in the old... The, the Mobile, which is like an old Cadillac curse. And then you have the famous line where David Patrick Kelly says, warriors come out to play, which I guess people know already.
1: People know that, but I... Th- is it true that he... Do you know if it's true that he th- improvised that? Yeah, yeah.
0: They, they, Walter Hill, they, they got to the scene and Walter Hill was like, we need you to do something because we c- it's kind of anticlimactic. We need you to somehow taunt them, sing them a song, do something so that there's c- some kind of like, you know, aggression there. And he was thinking... And Walter Hill gives david patrick kelly the credit he says i invented the the opportunity and david patrick kelly did it and he ran over he said and at the time at coney island they used to sell little bottles of beer that are like a certain size They're almost i don't know what you call them they're like they're not even like 12 ounces and he found them under the boardwalk and where he used to live downtown there used to be a, a really scary guy that used to live next door to him and the guy used to fuck with him and he would say like david David <laughs> and do like that to him. So he said, that's a perfect thing. So he grabbed the, the beer bottles and he, and since he was a, a a theater actor, he, he, he did kind of method where he, he never had any conversation with any of the cast of, of the, the gang, the warriors until that beach scene. So nobody yeah. had met him. He stayed away. And the only time he interacted with them was at that end scene. And when they were filming the scene with him, with the bottles, the cast and crew, I guess, had found a, a, a woman's pocketbook underneath the boardwalk, and there was money in it, and there was ID, what should they do? So they were filming this to the side, so no one saw what he did. So he improvised with the beer bottles, warriors come out to play, and then the editor uh, craftily extended it yeah. so that you had the, the, the clanging first, then you had him, and it even extended him a little longer with the clanging near the end. And the next day when they saw dailies, it freaked everybody out. No one wanted to go near him because he was a <laughs> freaking nut. And it was brilliant. And it's like, you know, to this day, that's sampled in Wu-Tang Clan songs. Yeah. It's, it's all over the place. And uh, the end ends where, you know, he's, he's like, I'm going to kill you guys. And they're like, why'd you do it? And he's like, you know, there's no reason. He just likes doing things like that, killing Cyrus. And, and then uh, it's like the, it's the Western showdown. Yeah. You know, and, uh, uh, you know, he shoots. He misses Swan. Swan throws a knife, gets him in the arm, and the riffs show up. And the riffs are like, you know, we found out what's really happened. And, you know, another quote line, you boys are good, real good, the best. And yeah, then he yeah. lets him go. And I found it funny that, like, you know, yeah.
1: It's wh- I love. I also love the line with Swan's, like, "Are you looking for us?" And he's, and he's like, "Still looking for yeah, us." Yeah, and he goes, and "No, we found what we're yeah, looking for." He's yeah.
0: like, "No, it was <laughs> us, was them, warriors." That's such a. And like, you're right. It's like, it's it's it shows how pathetic his character is at that point. He's, yeah. he's on the ground. He's like, "No, no, it's going wrong." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you like know. It, yeah. And totally. I find it so funny that the, the riffs are so organized that they have about hundred guys and they were able to get down to Coney in a half hour. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean, that's how organized they are. Yeah, it and took the,
1: you know, it took, <laughs> it took the Warriors all night, <laughs> you know, from like midnight to, to like six a.m.
0: to get down to Coney, where they were just they get a hundred guys in a car or whatever in, in Why? karate. Why you know back
1: then, I mean, uh, you figure they're warriors. You know they're tough gang members they probably could have just like mugged a couple of good people and got enough money to take like two taxis i you know <laughs> i don't know <laughs> from you from know the bro well, well that that was the problem in the, in i guess probably should, would have only caused like 20 bucks we should
0: quickly talk about the game we got the game when it came out in october 2005 and we played that game out because you had ps2 i don't really play video games i bought the game you and i played that thing we beat it and I thought it was so out, out of character, in, as good as the game was, why the heck were they having you do these little missions like you got to mug somebody, break into a car, steal stuff? Because in the movie, you kind of root for the Warriors. You like them. Yeah, yeah. But it's a little more like the book. It's kind of more realistic. Like, yeah, they, that's what they do. They, they stab people to death. They rape. They, they, they steal things. And why they didn't just steal a car, I don't know. Who yeah. knows? Maybe none of them know how to drive. It yeah, yeah. could be just as stupid as that. You know what I
1: mean? Uh, some loose ends I think we should talk about before we wrap up. Um the Thomas Thomas B uh Thomas Thomas Waits Yeah Thomas
0: Waits who was this fox character he was supposed to be the the center of the film and he was supposed to have the relationship with Mercy but then uh for some reason th- their chemistry wasn't working it was working between Michael Beck the swan character and Mercy and he was I guess having a horrible time with Walter Hill they apparently were apparently the, they were
1: very difficult he was very difficult or they, they they were just not having a bad chemistry uh I heard reports that he was really pushing for improvisation and Walter Hill wasn't into it or something. They just totally did not get along.
0: So he, so Walter Hill fired him eight weeks into shooting. Uh, he's not credited on the film because technically he didn't finish it. Walter Hill says now he feels really bad about it.
1: And not only... Not only fired him off the film, killed his character. Yeah, and and, and I then never rewrote the
0: script. <laughs> yeah, I never understood that who died in the movie when I was little because I couldn't figure out because I guess that's all done by stuntman. Yeah, it's a stunt because they must have like, just shut him out so I couldn't tell who it was. You know, when you see him fall in, when he's fighting with the cop, he rolls out into the tracks. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't tell. It just was put Fox. like an afro on. Yeah, and then he just stuntman. And I was like, who the heck is that? So that's it's so weird that he was just kicked kicked to the curb. You know, they just completely eliminated the character. Um I got to give a shout out to Laz, uh, to Andrew Laszlo, the DP. Freaking awesome, his idea of how he shot it. He said, you know what? Uh, it's, it's gonna be a night shoot, it's gonna be really hard, so why don't we introduce the idea of a downpour early enough in the film so that it'll give us justification to every subsequent scene to have the, the pavement wet yeah. so that it would then br- Ref- beautifully the a bit, yeah, reflect yeah. colors and light so you get that much more light, and I think that works, the device yeah, is yeah. awesome. Uh, he also, the subway scene you alluded to where, where Swan and Mercy kiss. Yeah. When this train goes by, he just shot light into the into the train. So when a train goes by, it would bounce off the train so that they, they choreographed it perfectly. When they kiss, the train goes by, and it's just like this moment until the yeah, train leaves, yeah. they go apart. He did a lot of good stuff. Um, uh, Barry Their Barry Dvorin, that's another thing. The music in this movie is freaking awesome it's, a, it's a great i score. mean if you want to work out to something you put that opening warriors theme <laughs> on i mean it is frightening and, and he credits himself saying that um he thinks it is the f- buried divorce and it's the first with the exemption of the eagle song at the end which he wrote with john walsh and joe, the, walsh. joe john walsh not not from america's <laughs> wanted joe walsh um and that they they were ended up using in the thing he credits this to be the first rock and roll and th- complete rock and roll and synth score Synthesizer score completely, he says, uh, in a movie, and oh, no, uh, questionable. Yeah, well, that, that's that, that's his credit, he says, and he, he added the synth to make it more eerie. And I think that he completely agrees. I love oh, it's a beautiful, the beautiful synthesizer beautiful on Fantas- this; like it's freaky, it's very atmospheric. It's, I mean, just that opening, like you said, that montage. I don't think would be half as good if the music wasn't yeah, there. Yeah. You know, because it, it's cut to the music, and it's just it's it's really. And I remember remember when you and I went to see Cream with Dave Hastings. And we got lost coming back, and we got lost in the Bronx on the highway. Oh, uh, he no, was
1: it was uh, Phil Duvian. Was it New I yeah, thought it was yeah. Dave
0: Hastings a friend of ours? But we were listening to the Warriors soundtrack, yeah, yeah. And he had that song. I remember that we were like under the apartments on the uh, Cross Bronx Expressway, listening to the Warriors soundtrack. Um,
1: so he also did the Ninth Configuration the music for that movie. He did a shitload of movies: uh, Night of the Creeps, Night which of the you Creeps, kind of alluded to earlier. He did
0: uh, the Belarus File, which was Excellent. the
1: Exorcist Three, which is a personal favorite you love Exorcist Three. <laughs> and
0: it's a really good movie. You skip Exorcist Two, do Exorcist Three. He did the Belarus File, which was Telly Savalas' comeback role in the '80s to Kojak, the TV movie. He did a lot of great stuff. So he's good in it. Uh, We got to give a shout out to um, Bobby Mannix. She's the costume designer that did all the costume work. And she really, you know, tore to force all that kind of crap she did. And
1: I would say the other thing that's like shockingly good about this movie in terms of like quality is, like, the fight scenes. Like, the brawl They're in the bathroom... It's brutal. It, it is awesome.
0: It's so brutal. And Walter Hill has a thing where he likes throwing a, a, a slow-motion shot in there, and he says yeah, you yeah. can only do it from one angle if, it, if you want it to work properly, and he does that quite a bit, and that, that final... I mean, that, that's the only set in the movie, too. They designed yeah. the bathroom in the subway, and that was a set because they completely trashed it. It is, like, brutal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we talk about brutal. They talk about the Baseball Furious scene. They wanted to pay homage to Kowalsawa in the um, akira kurosawa in the uh fight with the baseball furies so that's why they're they they, they use all long lenses for, for the scene yeah and they kind of use the baseball bats like samurai swords yeah, yeah. and they first cut it without music and they didn't want to use music but evidently according to walter hill and barry devorzen they said it was so brutal just the, the sound effects they had to lay some music to lay off the brutality yeah, so they put yeah. some music into it to kind of like f- make people
1: realize it was a movie but it's an amazing like you don't see you know that's i think that's part of like i was talking about how um it seems like such a low budget movie when you watch it it seems like so like the the limit that there were so many limitations and we talked about how like the just the the chaos and the amount of people they got for that for the meeting scene uh like you just like the fight scenes are so great in this movie that you would never you know they 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 uh transcend like any other kind of limitation that you s- that it looks like that the movie might have
0: yeah um, I know I've heard some subway purists there's a lot of subway purists out there they're kind of upset because I guess they didn't really pay attention to the markings of like the BMT or the RIA and you know, all of what subway yeah, yeah. trains well you know what can you do you try your best and <laughs> that
1: kind of a thing anyway
0: Um and uh, lastly, I guess they were kind of worried about at the time that there was about four or five different other gang films coming out, so they had to speed it in production to have it come out because you had The Wanderers coming out, you had Walk Proud, and you had Boulevard Nights coming out, and then we alluded to the next year, Escape from New York came out, which I guess people call a gang picture. I didn't really know. So, I yes,
1: um, I mean, I guess Isaac Hayes is uh, Oh, yeah,
0: he's a leader of a gang. Uh, group is a gang. So guy. they wanted to put this out first, and it came out first, and it, and it, it did, s- did so well. That you know, it was kind of like the top gang. I've never seen to this day the Wanderers that movie. I've seen The Outsiders a couple times, which was a couple. I've of years seen later. The Lords of Flatbush. Yeah, no, 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 not with that. With Henry
1: Winkler and <laughs> Sylvester Stallone. Um,
0: and then they use uh, wipes in the movie, which was an old effect, you know, old fashioned. I like. I really like the use of wipes. They yeah, the use
1: of wipes is is fun.
0: Um, they um, are you originally you wanted to use Orson Welles to narrate an opening w- to put in that yeah. like kind of anabasis anabasis, uh, opening in but they didn't end up using it with him Uh, there's uh, TV versions of the movie that have longer scenes there's a scene in the opening where you see a knife being thrown into a bulletin board and that's supposed to be Penn Gillette actually throws the knife uh, his arm because he's such a good knife thrower I guess Uh I've heard Um, I'm just trying to think of all these little loose ends Uh,
1: and uh, I think the other uh, you know if you ever if you end up watching the, the the director's cut you know, Walter Hill has this had this vision for it of is it being like a comic book.
0: Yeah. And that's another thing in the book. Uh, the the character, the junior has a comic book in his back pocket yeah. and it's the comic book of Anubis that yeah. he's reading, uh, you know, the Greek story about yeah, yeah. this. Yeah. And, uh, you know, to get to the 2005 cut, I'm not a fan of it because I think I I certainly love what he was going for. Uh, kind of like that creep show kind of a thing where like you know the scene will stop it'll turn into comic book and then the camera will move up from one panel and go to the next panel which is the next yeah, scene for
1: tr- the transition
0: yeah, yeah and i think that works like saying creep show but for me it does not work at all in it and i'll give you the example of uh the scene where they come out on 72nd street which is supposed to be 96th street and they, they, they in the original cut that we just watched They come out. They're like, "What are we gonna do now?" And they stop. And you see them, like, looking, like, "What the hell?" And then you cut to the Baseball Furies. It's like, "Shit, that's freaking scary." Like they see them before the audience, and then we see them, and they're all freaky looking. You know, like, "Holy crap, they look like Kiss." You know, you know, like the 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 makeup. They're very scary. But in the two thousand five version, it's like, you see their reactions. the 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 thing stops. They turn to a comic book. The camera lifts off a panel to them, and the next panel comes down. Then you so it's kind of takes you out. Yeah, it's a device that kind of takes you out of it. And I didn't like it. And that's kind of my whole thing about the movie. I mean, even, like, the opening shot is so... If you see that opening shot anywhere of the Wonder Wheel with the music, you know that's the fucking Warriors. It's <laughs> like, that's, you can just put that on a T-shirt, The war, that, that yeah. really, like, uh, underexposed n- s- night shot of the Wonder Wheel. And you're like, oh, that's from the Warriors, you know, with that eerie music beginning before you get into, like, the... Yeah, do yeah. Do, you know, and, and even at the beginning of that, you see, like, a comic book panel that really takes you out of it. I don't really like it. Now... Uh well One last thing. Uh, I have two. The What If Game, Tony Danza was originally cast as the lead, but he declined because he was doing Taxi at the time. As Swan? As Swan. Okay. And um, the other guy would have been that guy, Erwin Keyes, the cop in the, the Rondo Hatton, looked yeah, like yeah. he was going to be Ajax. So that would have been a weirder movie if Tony Danza played Swan. I mean, we wouldn't have known him. I guess he yeah, could have yeah. fit the part. And uh, Ronald Reagan was such a fan of the film, he screened it at Camp David and called... Uh, Michael Beck up the Swan to tell him uh, how how much he liked it, the movie. Huh. Yeah, he said, you know, he just think, like <laughs> mean, but you you give him credit, he was a movie actor, so he you know he he does yeah, look at yeah. it like in a different frame of mind. He called him, he's like, that was a great movie, you know, and I think he might have even refer to it in a speech because he talks, you know, Dirty Harry now, and Terminator. Now, um,
1: is this like an anniversary for the movie? Because
0: seventy so. nine.
1: Oh, because they was they just had the they're just no, having th- th-
0: this September. If you're in the New York City area, they're having a reunion. Maybe it's the 35th. Would it be the thirty? No, be the 36th this year. It be the 36th anniversary of, of the Warriors, and they're having a big Coney Island reunion. I don't know who's going to be there. I don't They know say, if the, cat, the, they say the
1: cast. Like Some you know. of the
0: cast. I don't think, like, if David Patrick Kelly was going to be there, I'd go. But it's going to be September 13th. Uh, we're, we're taping this. This is airing the end of August, so if you're around in the coming weeks and you can get to Coney Island for September 13th, 2015 we're at, uh, you've got to go. Because it's going to be some pretty cool stuff, and I bet you people are going to be dressed up as the Warriors and the Baseball Furies. It's going to be freaking <laughs> crazy <laughs> I- if you're able yeah. to go.
1: So we're for will be you'll be listening if you get this one when it when it. Drops, or whatever you say now. Uh, you, yeah, you, young, you, you still got young time kids. to go. <laughs> if um, you're catching this late, you, you missed it. I'm
0: sure there's tons of stuff we didn't, we didn't cover. Could people who are such fans want us to talk about? It? I think we hit all the points as much as we could in the in limited time we had. Um, I guess a last shout out to Rose Clemens. She's a very famous embroiderer. She did all the patches of her own, handmade, all the, the, the gang patches in the movie. If you're an embroidery fan, you'll know who she is. Um, so, what do you give the movie? <sighs> Four, four out of five. Um, uh, caffeine jolt, <laughs> Saturday night sleepover, colas. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I would give it buckets uh, of pizza. <laughs> <laughs> b- I, I give it uh, four out of five. Uh, sleepover stars. I think it's great. I think it holds up. Uh, sadly, I hope people who are watching it, maybe the f- I didn't ask my friend. Maybe th- he was watching the 2005 version, and that could be a hindrance. You know, could you be. Watch, you know, could be. It does certainly and emphasize still, like, the comic book. Ad, you know. You know. yeah but it's not dated to the extent that he was saying so i I bet yeah. you maybe that he was watching the um the two thousand and five version and there's a whole crap load of lines in here you know when he when Ajax says i'm gonna t- uh i'll take that bat and shove it up your ass until you until it turn you into a popsicle that's like on the the fifty most badass uh tough lines of all time and baseball lines of all time like it ranks like number twelve so there's a lot of like you know quoted uh uh things in this movie lines so well I think it was great. I think if you haven't seen it, you should go see it, although we probably spoiled the shit out of it to you by now. (laughs) Well, you know,
1: that's what we do.
0: Yeah, and your line, you used to always say to me, I never heard it except from this movie. What the shit are we going to do now? That's in this movie. Vermin says it, you know, Uh, which I never heard anywhere else. And then lastly, a reference to you is, you know, when Rembrandt is in the – when they're with the Lizzie's and they're like, these bitches are packing. Well, Rembrandt's really, like, apprehensive about what's going on. He doesn't fully trust them. He's very much like Carlito uh, uh, (laughs) – Carlito – <laughs> uh, what's his name, Carlito Lebron? What's his name, Bergante? Bergante. <laughs> Carlito Bergante in the and um, you know at the beginning when he's in the back of the club, you know there's no beard down here, man. He's very apprehensive, so that's my reference to Carlito. So, all right, please check us out on Facebook. Check us out on uh, Player FM.
1: Uh, player FM. We're on Stitcher now. Uh, we're also
0: on Twitter at at Sat Sleepovers at sla- at Sat Sleepovers. We're on. Uh, Saturday sleepovers at com is our thing. We're on Facebook again.
1: Yeah, we got a nice little community building on Facebook. Or, of or course,
0: we're on iTunes. You can download us on iTunes or you can download us directly from our site, Saturday, s- sleepo- Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers, which is Saturdaysleepovers at podwitz.com. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: um, now, we had with the earlier in earlier casts, we were putting out the call for, for uh, requests. We are, and we are getting, we've been getting requests. And we want to let people know. Which is very exciting. I want to throw a shout out to uh, Jordan Lettner. And uh, Jason Derenick, mm. these are some uh, Facebook friends that have thrown out some, uh, some requests. And we promise that uh, <laughs> we, we, will, we will. We are going to do a request in the coming months.
0: Yeah. And Chris Frodo as well, who's a big fan of ours, uh, we're going to be doing requests very soon. So for all those people who are putting requests in need to listen in the coming months because we are going to be getting a request done. And it's going to be very exciting for us because I think we've maybe nailed it down. But we're still talking. I don't know.
1: Yeah. Well, we, you know, we There's have so many. We have plans because we have our year anniversaries coming up. So we have and then you we hit have Halloween. some plans and then we got some Halloween action. happening. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's getting already, so you it's know, th- we almost <laughs> got to go to
0: weekly. There's so much going on. So please check us out. Please tell a friend about us. Please like us. Please share us. Please listen to us. Uh, why don't you let us know what you like, you don't like? Uh, we, it's it's interesting what's so taking off, and what only, isn't taking not off. Not
1: only listen, go on iTunes, subscribe. Yeah. To the show, they can also review, send up, put up reviews on things like Stitcher and, and iTunes. Yeah, let us know.
0: Let us let and let other people know who don't know about us how they like uh, how you like us, and um, yeah, it's interesting. Start the dialogue. It's it's and and you know. Maybe we'll do a movie that you don't know about, but you're like, "Hey, that sounds good now," and and I want to go check it out after the shit got spoiled the hell out for (laughs) you.
1: So, (laughs) or if you see we do something and you like what we do, watch it. Yeah, then Then listen to it. There you go. See, then have a sleepover
0: with your with your friends or your parents or whatever you do now. So, uh, and check us out in two more weeks because we'll be back and we've got uh, some other good things coming up. So, uh, come back soon.
1: Later.